Welcome into another edition of the Go 24-7 podcast, a big recruiting weekend for LSU as they finished up their LSU elite camp, three days of some of the best targets and prospects from really across the country hitting Baton Rouge for a couple days of camp. And then the staff hosted two official visitors ahead of the dead period. With me is Sonny Ship. Sonny, you were all over the place this weekend, seven on seven, uh, taking care of the kids, man. How's it going? Oh man, I tell you what, the kids are the worst part. I think <laughs> I'd ra- I'd rather the heat at the seven on seven than have to deal with those two little monsters. But uh, man, you tell you what, though, dude, it seems like the summer has gone by so fast, and then all of a sudden now we're here to where the dead periods kicked in with recruiting, and uh, you know those the dog days of summers were halfway through them, and before you know it, about a, a month and a few days now, we'll have fall camp kicking off, man. Sixty-eight days from kickoff as talk about this will be six to seven tomorrow as people as, as you guys are all listening to this podcast man i agree with you though the opening finals next week in dallas and then from there really that real bad dog days this summer just as we see media days ahead of us it's uh it's gonna be rough to get through lsu uh had a pretty good weekend having some of the best prospects really in especially in the underclassmen ranks hit campus for camp uh they also had two high quality official visitors uh, let's start with though Jacoby and Guillory, the Alexandria defensive tackle. He sets his decision date, and it's not what LSU fans, or probably Alabama fans either, were thinking of heading uh, heading into the, this run of official visits for him. Yeah, and you, and you know, going back to when I saw him that first weekend in February at the SP uh, Elite Camp over in over in Sulphur. He mentioned to me he mentioned to me then that he was going to be an early enrollee, so he wanted to make a decision, uh, you know, during the spring, you know, uh, and he had kind of targeted May as a date that in his mind he said, yeah, I'd kind of like to have it done by May, and then it got pushed back to where then it was going to be, you know, it could possibly be in June, then he pushed it back to where then it could possibly be in July. And now he says that he wants to announce at the at the uh, the All American Bowl in January, formerly the U.S. Army All American Game, and so that timeline has really just gotten pushed back and pushed back. And I don't think, and and, and I know that if some people have a in this day and age of recruiting, some people are going to say, "Oh, well, he's just a drama king. He's trying to build up the hype." And you and I both know this from talking to the kid is that he's not like that at all. He's not one of these kids who's active on Twitter. He's not one of these kids who's boastful about uh, about all the offers, about all the attention, about dropping top sevens, top twelves, top twenty twos, whatever. You know, I really think that he's just that he's just a kid to where he it just keeps getting pushed back, and it's one of the few exceptions that we see. You know, in this day and age in recruiting, especially with LSU and Alabama both blowing their official visits this far early in the process, you know, if both schools would have had a heads up or would have known about this, there's no way that they would have pushed to get him on campus this summer and still have six months, almost seven months to go before he commits. No, no chance that that either school would have would have used up that official visit. I I think if you're LSU, I mean, I don't think it's the news you wanted to hear. I, I, you know, you can take from it what you will in terms of what it means in terms of where is he going to go to school, where is he leaning to, and all those things. And LSU fans have kind of seen this play out with in-state targets at times with Alabama when they draw it out to the end. 
Um, you know, they do, they have gone to Alabama at times. I, I think though, this is one where there is a lot of pressure on Jacoby and he is, like you said, a great young man, great kid. I don't know if he's ready to make that decision. I think if by the end of July and as these official visits settle, he probably could have made this decision and been happy with it. I think it's tough for LSU that they weren't able to kind of push back or close the door earlier. You mentioned that potential May um, decision timeframe for, for him originally, and then it was June and, and, and so on. But um, I just think it's a situation where I think it was kind of weighing on him. And, you know, look, he might have given a commitment to either side. We don't really know. But um, I, I think it, it it's not great news for LSU, but it's it's not something where I don't think you can sit here and say, oh, this is bad news for, for LSU or, or either side for that matter. Yeah, I'm not a proponent. I'm not. I'm not. A, I'm not a proponent of the conspiracy theories of of Alabama did this. To, you know, to talk to him to get him to commit late or whatever. Because knowing his situation and what it is, I mean, we're talking about a kid who who lost his mother about about 14 or 15 months ago. He has younger siblings that his aunt is raising along with Jacobian. His dad is up in Shreveport. And when when you kind of lump all of that in, in into one, I, you, you can look at it and you can understand why he would want to do it on a big stage at the All-American Bowl on NBC TV to where his family can experience that with him, to where he can kind of enjoy that moment. And Jacobian has been Jacobian has been having offers since his sophomore year. He's been a kid who has, you know, everyone in the Alexandria and Sinlaw area tabbed as a guy who's going to play, you know, who's going to be a big time recruit, even when he was a freshman at at Alexandria Senior High. And so I'm sure he and his mom that they've had those discussions, they had those talks about, you know, about what the process would be like. And so in a way, it may even be a sense of, uh, of how he can, you know, of how he can experience that with his family. So I, I'm not big, I'm, I'm, I'm not a big believer into someone put him up to this. Now, with that said, I do think that, you know, I do think that LSU and Alabama, that LSU might have a little bit of work to do in this race, but I'm going to be keeping a close eye, and I've mentioned this on the board several times. I'm going to be keeping a close eye on what happens in the fall. You know, he, he's two hours away from Baton Rouge. He's, he, he's about five hours away from, from Alabama, maybe a little bit further than that. And so which, which school is able to get him on campus the most in the fall? If, if we're looking at a situation like and everyone wants to bring up Ishmael Sopcher to where Ishmael Sopcher, instead of going to the LSU-Georgia game, chooses to go to the Alabama-Missouri game, if Jacoby and Guillory does a similar, you know, has some similar actions to where, let's say, Guillory doesn't choose to go to, to LSU-Auburn or LSU-Florida and, and, and makes it to Bama a couple of times, well, I think the writing will kind of be on the wall, that, you, that fans will have to use those as signs. And that's what I'm really interested to see in the fall is how those fall visits shake out. Does one school get more than the other? Does one school get them all? Or, or how exactly this whole thing plays out? Yeah, and you mentioned the visits and, you know, we're, Jaquelin Roy is going to come out with his top three on a little side note uh, shortly here, and and we'll we'll get him to break that down on Go Twenty Four Seven with us. But 
you know, he's made a ton of visits to LSU this summer. He's only, he made his first trip to Alabama early in the summer and, you know, hasn't been back. And visits will be, you know, something where um, it could, could tell the tale in, in the future as you look ahead. And, and we kind of saw that writing on the wall with Ishmael Sofshire and just didn't kind of, you know, want to, want to believe it, I think at times, but look, I mean, Jaquelin Roy, huge priority for LSU, um, Jacoby and Guillory, huge priority for LSU as well. And, and we'll see how things shake out. One prospect that they made a move with, I thought this weekend, uh, as they wrapped up their official visit was, was Philip Webb out of Buford, Georgia, the Lanier high school standout, same high school as a uh, former LSU linebacker, Tyler Taylor. He's a top 50 overall prospect on the 24 seven sports composite. LSU seems to be right in the thick of things after this one. Yeah, and he's a guy. He's a guy that Dave Aranda really likes. And when you start looking, when you start looking at LSU's uh, inside linebackers, you've got Antoine Sampa. You've got he on. You've got him on board. You've got Josh White on board out of out of, out of Texas. And he's a guy that the Texas schools, I think, are going to pick up. You know, or or going to continue to recruit. Maybe show a little more interest in the fall when when if he has a big senior season. But when you look at you know when you look at LSU's linebackers, you've got Dante Starks who isn't on campus yet from the 2019 class. He's got some eligibility stuff that he's trying to work out with summer school and stuff. And so you only have Kendall McCallum on campus right now from the 2019 class. And so when you look at when when, when you look at LSU's overall need. And, and where the numbers are right now, for me, it's kind of hard to see them squeezing another inside linebacker in uh, with what I consider a much bigger need at the outside linebacker spot with everybody they're going to lose after the uh, after the 2020 season. But a guy like Philip Webb, I mean, you know, it, it's just very very hard to turn away a guy like that when you're you know when you have a linebacker guru as your defensive coordinator like Dave Aranda. Yeah, and and he fits perfectly into that that spot with with Sampa and White, and then on the edge you would add Philip Webb with his with his six four two hundred twenty five pound frame. He'd be he already plays that stand up edge role uh, for L, uh, for uh, his high school, and uh, he's super athletic, a guy that can really come off the edge and disrupt things and and do all that, and and he could end up adding the weight where he's kind of like at that you know Andre Anthony type size. I mean he's a big big guy seems like LSU's battling Auburn right now. Clemson and Oklahoma are kind of lurking from what we've picked up. Um, it doesn't seem like he's necessarily in a rush to make a decision, but uh, LSU's really set themselves up nicely to to push and, and really potentially get him on board in the future. Yeah, you feel like he's an outside guy all the way? Yeah, I would think so. I, I just I like his length. I like his ability to come off the edge. And, and look, I mean, I, I think with where they're at with Sampa and White and locked in and and that's that's come from them and what they told us in the last week. I think you're set at that position. I think you got to have confidence for Dante Starks to figure it out and get on campus eventually. Him being in state and and being from John Arrett, and I just think he's going to be able to to make it campus in the summer um, or at least in time to to be on campus. And who knows? Maybe he's a guy that you know has to take an academic redshirt. But I just think that they figure it out and they get him on campus in that middle linebacker room. That frees them up to to take an edge guy um, like Webb and, and they like him enough to have on campus. So um, yeah, I feel like he, he fits well in, in, in uh, a spot that's really kind of needing that, uh, you know, potential addition uh, to the outside room. Cause there's a lot of guys at that spot that 
haven't shown up over the last few years, it feels like. Yeah, and I, and I guess my reason for mentioning him and, and and kind of running down the inside linebackers is I look at him and I think I, I would not be surprised at all if he's a guy that I could definitely see him playing as uh, as the out on the outside as an edge guy. But he's also a guy that, and I guess because I look at what uh, at Michael Divinity moving inside this year, you know, starts out starts out on the edge. He gets up to, you know, gets up to 240, 245 pounds. They move him inside. And I could just, you know, I, I could look at Webb and if you get, you start to get like a little bit of a log jam at the, at the outside linebacker position, I would not be shocked at all to see him move inside because I think he's a guy who's going to be able to put on that weight. But I think he starts off on the outside like you alluded to. But I don't know. It just kind of it kind of intrigues me a little bit seeing Dave Aranda now. We saw Patrick Queen play on the outside. We saw Patrick Queen play on the inside. Now we see Divinity starting off on the outside, moving inside. I wonder if that's going to be a trend. Uh, you know, if that's a trend that we start to see more often is guys playing, you know, playing more playing inside and outside. So you, you brought up you were reading my mind uh, on that one where, where Michael Divinity is a great example of them. You know, moving guys inside, and I think it's just Dave Aranda adding so many different pieces, and to kind of go off that even more, Jacoby Stevens, you know, being a safety, now playing kind of that quarter safety outside linebacker, somebody that they can leave on the field in so many different packages, it just seems like they're adding all of these different guys, whether it's a true thumper like Dante Starks and Kendall McCallum, or a speedy guy like Josh White, or somebody with a little bit more length like Antoine Sampa, or if they can get Philip Webb, somebody that, you know, you mentioned him potentially being able to put on weight and play in the middle. I just think it's the continued evolution of, of how Dave Aranda wants that linebacker group and, and especially on the outside and, and, and guys that can play safety and play linebacker and, you know, Marcel Brooks and guys like that. That's, it's just kind of an evolution of, of what they're looking for in linebackers. Yeah, I agree. And, and I, and I, and I can kind of see that too. And, and something else for me is that I think I think with Dave Aranda, we we saw him at Wisconsin. We saw when he first got to LSU, he had Kendall Beckwith. He had some other line. He had some younger linebackers, and that first group kind of struggled a little bit to pick things up. He wasn't able to do quite as much. Now they're you know three year three good three solid years into the system. I think now he's starting to he's starting to be able to attract the guys that that have the the physical traits but then also have the mental makeup to where he can do more things with them. They can learn more than just being pigeonholed to one position. They can learn different things. They can play different spots. And it's just a comfort level that you can see that he's reaching with this team and that the defense is really reaching with him now. I'm with you, and, and we'll just we'll just see as he continues to assemble different pieces, and and uh, you know that goes for defensive line too. And not to get off on a Dave Aranda tangent, but in nose tackles, defensive tackles, defensive ends, you know this defensive line class in 2020 seems like guys that that can play all over and complement the nose tackles that they already have on campus. So a lot, uh, uh, two pieces that were on campus for Dave Aranda this weekend that that could be really really big in the future of his defense. Uh, on the other side of this break, though, Sonny, we're going to talk about some of the offensive guys that were on campus this weekend, two that you and I both saw, and one uh, LSU's quarterback commit, T.J. Finley, uh, that you saw in person at 7-on-7 seven seven this weekend. We're going to break down their big weekends on the flip side of this break. We'll be right back after this. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, 
celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the Go 24-7 podcast. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts, whether that be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, what have you. Leave us a rating, leave us a review, and subscribe to the podcast. We appreciate it. Back with Sonny Ship, talking a little bit more about three offensive players that camped at LSU over the, the course of June. Um, one committed to LSU and TJ Finley we're going to touch on. But I want to start with Archbishop Rummel, four-star wide receiver, Coy Moore. He was at LSU's camp on Thursday. He hung out. He worked out privately with Joe Brady, Mickey Joseph, and Steve Ensminger, along with his 2021 quarterback, Kyle Wickersham, an LSU legacy. And look, it was a really good performance for Coy. I, I think he impressed the staff. I think he boosted his stock. He's in a position now where, you know, really wouldn't surprise me. And it, and, and it wouldn't surprise a lot of people before that, but it now wouldn't surprise me at least to see him end up in the class. Sonny, you, you saw him at the Southeastern 7-on-7 Invitational. I saw him in that private workout, thought he was good. He's going to have a big stage at the end of this month at the opening finals to show out even more. What have you kind of seen from him over the, over the course of, of that 7-on-7 and, and this spring? Yeah, I think he's. I think he. I think he's really had a terrific spring. And you know, one 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 thing. One thing when you start looking at recruiting rankings and you know, in, in the recruiting process, is that so many. You know, so many. So many people talk about upside. You know, upside gets brought up to where you know someone may not be ranked as highly as others have, as others are, and and upside is the word that you hear as the as the common denominator. But I think with Coy Moore, I think when you look at Coy Moore, I think you got a kid who who I don't want to say he gets a bum rap, but but I, I think he kind of gets overlooked some because you know he may not be the fastest guy on the field. He may not be the quickest guy on the field. On top of that, he's pretty polished, uh, in my opinion, as far as his route running, as far as as far as his technique, I think he's gotten a lot better. Uh, catching the ball with his hands, and and when I look when I look at all that, I I, I think you lump all of that stuff into one, and that kind of kind of is a reason of why um, you know of why some may not be as high on him as others are. I thought I thought he looked good at the seven on seven. I know he uh, in the the first game on on Saturday morning he caught a touchdown against Mandeville on the last play of the game in the back of the end zone acrobatic catch to lead his team to a victory there. Uh, Rommel got knocked out by Ponchatoula and LSU commit TJ Finley, 
But I, uh, you know, I, I've liked what I've seen from Moore during the spring. I think he's going to go out to the opening, and I think he's going to, I, I think he's going to have a nice showing there. And when I spoke to him on Saturday, I asked him what the vibe was that he was getting from the LSU coaches. They've got three, they've got three guys already committed. I asked him if he felt like uh, if he felt like LSU, you know, really wanted him in this class that they wanted a fourth receiver, and he said, yeah, he said he definitely feels that from Joe Brady. I asked the and Steve Insminger and Mickey Joseph. I asked him about the LSU offense, and he said that he got a good look at it during the spring, but then everything that 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 Joe Brady, that Mickey Joseph, that Steve Insminger continue to tell him that it just it, it kind of reiterates what he saw in the spring. And so, you know, we we've gone after after every spring and during the dog days of summer, we've heard this about the LSU offense. Oh, the LSU offense is gonna open up, it's gonna open up. Well, I think last year it finally started to, but I really think this year that if the offense opens up as much as, as I expect, as you expect and as as most of those who cover the Tigers expect it to that the interest level from guys like Coy Moore from 2021-2022 receivers, quarterbacks, even running backs with how much I expect them to be highlighted in this offense, I think it's just going to skyrocket. I, I really I really feel like the interest level that is already high coming from the skill position players, I feel like it's going to skyrocket once the 2019 season really gets kicked off. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm with you. I, I think, you know, like you said, we've heard it over and over and over again. But the recruits keep telling us that that this is. I mean, you talk about going to practice, watching them, and they're four wide, five wide, throwing it down the field, and and uh, we'll see if it, if that's the case when the lights come on and and everything like that. I think, you, you know, you mentioned Coy's you know, big spring, impressive spring. I think he's got a a high floor. Um, is probably the best way to put it. He's very polished. He's going to outwork everybody. Um, and, and, you know, sometimes those guys, you know, people can point to Jerry Rice. Jerry Rice ran, what, a 4-6 or whatever? Uh, that That's kind of, you know, in today's day and age, you have to be a technician. You have to be really, really good with your craft. And I think that's somewhere that, that Coy continues to improve and is already pretty good at is, is route running and getting open. I think that's he, he's shown that throughout the spring. Um, we'll see how his senior year goes. But He's poised for a big weekend at the opening, and and you and I saw, um, you know, a, a, what could be a preview of that, um, really this entire spring, but but really over the last few days. And and one one other player you saw, uh, another one was LSU quarterback commit T.J. Finley. Uh, he didn't throw at the elite camp he threw earlier uh, this summer at at the seven on seven camp and and all of that. But um, what did you see from him as as uh, he knocked out Coymore and uh, and the Rumble uh, Raiders? Yeah, he takes off Thursday for the Elite Eleven, and uh, he 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 was really excited about that. But you know, when, when watching Pontchartula and watching T.J. Finley in a seven-on-seven setting, you know, it's almost not fair for some defensive backs and stuff because he just he just, he just stands back there and he just throws darts all over the field. The arm, the arm strength, the arm strength has always been there. We've never questioned that. But I think, I think what continues to improve and what continues to get better is his ball placement. I think he continue, I think he's starting to put the ball in better, in better places for his receivers. I think he's anticipating, uh, anticipating his throws 
better. And, you know, once the, I, I do, I do think that the footwork, that that's still something that he's got to continue to work on with that six, seven, 235 pound frame. You know, he's not going to be, you know, as fluid as a six, 185 pounder is back there when it's moving around in the pocket and things like that. He can be a little heavy footed at times, but I think, I think once the, once the lower body catches up a little bit more with the upper body, I mean, the upside, the upside is apparent. And, and I think he's going to, you know, I, I think he's poised to go on and, and to do some nice things at the next level. Yeah, and I think a great opportunity for him to pick up some things that can really help him. Going back to, to Pachatula will be the Elite 11. It's a just super competitive pressure cooker type deal. Um, he can go from there, go to the opening, and do all that. It's uh, it's not an easy week of being a quarterback. They really put a lot of pressure on you. They test you mentally, and uh, it's going to be a good challenge for him. And, and, and he's had a strong spring, too. So if he can put things together, he's going to have his younger brother, Cody Finley, and Jacoby Matthews to throw to this year for Pontchartula. So a lot of expectations for him to have a big year. We'll, we'll see how he puts it together. And uh, one player that I, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't highlight who picked up an LSU offer this weekend is is the state's probably top 20, 22 prospect in St. James wide receiver Shaz Preston. He was excellent at the LSU elite camp, caught a touchdown late from five-star quarterback Caleb Williams, who was on campus. Uh, it was a highlight real catch to end the drive. Um, you saw more of him at 7-on-7 at seven seven and, and just an electric athlete really out there. Yeah, he was solid out there. He 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 was solid for St. James. Guy you can put out there on the on the outside. Not pr- probably probably uh, a better fit for the slot, depending on how much uh, how much taller that he gets. But his brother his brother Sean Preston, who signed with Mississippi State, he was a pretty tall safety. I want to say he was about six one. He may be up to six two now. So I, I think Shaz is going to grow. I think Shaz is going to grow a little bit. But he's another one. When I, when I talk to him, and I'll have an update on on him up on the site uh, within the next few days. But he's another guy that when I asked him about LSU and, and and what the offer meant and stuff, I mean he he lit up when talking about it. I even asked him. I said, Look, I know your brothers at Starkville. You know, have y'all talked about? He said, "No." He said, "I told my I told my brother that I don't want to follow in his footsteps unless I just realize that Mississippi State is just a no-brainer, the best place for me." So I kind of get the feeling that he's a guy who may want to uh, who may want to to carve carve out his own path. But it was funny we were talking. I said, "Well, man, did you give you you know did did, did you give your brother some uh, you know give him some flack and stuff?" He said, "What you mean?" I said, "Well, I said he never got that LSU offer." I said, "Did you give him some flack about how you got that offer off so soon?" And he just started laughing and smiling and stuff. So he was like, "Yeah, I kind of, you know, I kind of, I kind of told him a few things and stuff." So good to see, good, good to see guys like that, you know, get, uh, brothers like that, you know, being able to, uh, you know, joke about things like that and talk about it around the dinner table. You know, Sean Preston Senior. You know, we've seen him in different different settings. He's got a football coaching background and just, uh, you know, just two great kids that he raised. Yeah, and it, you know it's funny because uh, I saw I, I saw them out at the opening New Orleans and uh, at the end there just kind of catching up. But it's Sean Junior was out there uh, back from Mississippi State for a minute, and and it was just funny because when I moved down to cover LSU, I want to say either the first or second day I was I was covering the team. You know, officially, I, I went out to say James to see Lowell and saw Sean, and I mean it's just crazy to think now. You know, I mean, gosh, almost. You know, four years now have gone by, and and 
you know, Shaz is just coming up and going to be a 2022. So, you know, even I'm starting to feel old around here, Sonny. Well, Wild Bill, before you know it, you're going to start to have recruits that you've covered. You're going to start covering their kids. Yeah, Jai Eugene. He was Jai Eugene. Yeah, Jai, 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 Jai Eugene's one for me, and uh, I, I can only man, I can only imagine. <laughs> I yeah. can only imagine the ones coming up. <laughs> it, it's coming for me eventually. It's already here for you, so I got that to hang on to. Well, uh, man, it's been a fun little pod, and uh, good, good to catch up about uh, all these guys we've been seeing. It's, it's been uh, a fun, uh, fun couple of weeks for sure. Yeah, man, and uh, you know just. Uh, Tiger fans, hang with us. Hang with us. I know the I, I know the summertime. You're about to hit that month of July, but we're gonna have a ton of stuff. We're gonna have the podcast, obviously, media days and stuff, and uh, you know we'll have plenty of coverage leading up to fall camp and stuff. And uh, so y'all just hang around and y'all keep coming back. Yeah, I'll, I'll quickly plug Sonny's recap from the seven on seven is on the site. We've got notes from the elite camp from all three days already rolling out. A few updates from. Not only Jacoby and Guillory, the official visitor, but guys like Kendrick Blackshear, four-star linebacker that was there unofficially. We'll have Garrett Nussmeyer's reaction to being back on campus uh, to throw a year removed from picking up his offer, and plenty more like Sonny mentioned, and I'll be out at the opening next week. So plenty to come to, to carry you through the most difficult time of the summer. With that, we're going to wrap up this edition of the Go 24-7 podcast. We appreciate you guys listening. Hang with us later this week as we'll have more reaction from camp and preview the opening later on. So thanks for listening, guys, and have a great week.